Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we'll continue our talk on the long defeat. And so we kind of began this conversation, or did begin this conversation, uh, last week. And kind of what we touched on was a long defeat, uh, something that was mentioned by Tolkien, <laughs> as I think it's properly pronounced, it's Everett and Tom said it that way. Um, and uh, the idea that, uh, you know, in, in Christianity, there is a long defeat, as in we will not, um, God, I hate references to war, but um, I guess that's kind of what the defeat is. So someone, if you got a better one, uh, let's use race. There is, uh, we will not win the race until, uh, you know, the hope of Jesus's return comes to happens, if you will. And so we can't do it on our own, essentially. Is that someone want to describe it a better way or different way? I think that it's definitely, I would describe it differently than that. Tolkien is not, he was a soldier in World War One. He okay. had seen like the um, mm. complete fallacy of the modern state. He had seen um, the worst science could produce and gas, you know, yeah. and that in a, gas attacks in uh, industrial warfare and so and he had seen his countrymen i mean world war one a lot of the motivation of it not all of it but a lot of the motivation was just about glory borders power uh this idea of this glorious battle and and so we're i mean this is he was as Kind of, in some way, is the first, first postmodernist because he 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 was against the modern idea that there's always going to be progress. It's always going to get better. He was, I think, it has something to do with the fact that we're not necessarily improving all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, I the it, it's sort of this. Um, he saw the folly of this assumption that human beings are going to improve it on our own. Hmm. Uh, th there was a sense leading up to the 20th century that we were, we were actually at a point in which we wouldn't even need religion <clears throat> anymore because, um, you know, human beings were really close to figuring these things out on themselves. And, and, hmm. and there was a sense in which the, the 21st century, or excuse me, the 20th century with World War One, World War Two, the Cold War, um, stripped away those hopes that we had finally arrived on our own. I think that's, and I think that's what sort of this is, is, is that um, human beings are not going to organize, administrate, and manage our way out of the problems of life. Hmm. Okay. That's good. 
So in that light, um, and uh, that's good. We that was a good comeback to and and uh, kind of redefine that as we talked about it um, after our last episode. So something that uh, ever you wanted to talk about was the temptation of liberal Protestants. Um, I can't say the last word. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> and um, Protestantism. Um, and so what? What are we? <laughs> exactly. My tongue will not allow it. <laughs> what is it? Protestantism. There you go. <laughs> My Haskell tongue will now lie. Okay, so talk about that, Everett. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I think it's sort of it is a little bit connected to, you know, the, the, the concerns, um, you know, that Tolkien raises within you know, his, his texts, which is that, that there is this sort of, um, liberal Protestant, um, assumption of one that the, the, the problems of the world, um, are something that will be solved from, you know, better, better organizing, better collecting, um, you know, which, which all those things, that doesn't mean that those things are bad. They're just not the solution. And, and there's a sense in which I would argue that if we realize that we're not going to solve this on our own and that we really need God, that it provides space, one, for us to actually be more creative in how we think about and solve problems. Um, and two, in some ways, would make us a little bit less neurotic as people. Um, Is somebody vacuuming? Oh, that may have been my computer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway. So, Everett, here, respond to this, or Justin, I don't care which one of you. Um, so, where I grew up, Everything would be better in the sweet by and by, like mm. um, sweet, right? By and by. <laughs> like life, we can't, we can't. Um, this world doesn't matter. Bodies don't matter. Um, if this is all going to burn, we can just pollute the environment. Whatever, um, because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. It's all going to be burned up, all that stuff. So, but then one of the things that drew me to the Episcopal Church is that we believe praying shapes believing that when we pray every Sunday, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's actually calling us to go do something in the world, which you know, I've told you all the story where I came from. I once asked the leaders of my church before I was Episcopal, we should start a Thursday night meal for the poor in our community. And one of the leaders said, what good would that do if they're still going to hell? And so that let me know I needed to... But, but, but I agree with you that that sometimes we... We can go to the other. We go so far with this idea of bringing God's kingdom to earth that we completely keep God out of it, and we also convince ourselves that 
we can somehow fix everything without God's help. So where's the balance there? Hmm. Yeah, and I and 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 you bring up, you know, I mean, yeah, this is not a. Well, then we just don't have to do anything and and right, you know, sit around eating fried chicken, waiting for Jesus to come back. <laughs> Bingo. Um, this is, the, but but what this is 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 one, it's a check on our own hubris and 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 a humility that we're not going to do it. Second, it provides us um, almost like a contemplative space, right? I mean, that's it's this it's this you know it's like contemplative outreach in which we actually can make room for God in the problem rather than thinking it's it's all it's 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 up to us. Um, so this is not okay. about okay. Well, we don't have to go and work for justice. We don't have to go feed the hungry. Like those are things we absolutely have to do. Why? Because Jesus says, "Whatever you do to the least of of, of these, you've done to me." Um, this is this is more of a check on our own temptation to think we can solve the problem, and we don't. And, you know, God's just sort of nice dressing on it. Does that does that maybe make a little bit more sense? Yes. I'm writing down on my note card right now, check on our own hubris. And then I'm going to pause that for a second. So I'm, I'm writing it down so I don't forget. And then I'm going to say, Justin, did you get a new microphone? No. <laughs> because I feel like I'm on NPR. When you were drinking that coffee, I can hear every. Oh. Okay, you're going to have to cut this out of the podcast. Bye, Booker. Have a good day. Love you. <laughs> Bye, Booker. Love bye. You. Justin and Everett said bye. Maggie bye. said bye. He said bye. Okay. I will move I my microphone the... away a little bit there. How about that? I um, I kind of liked it. I felt like oh. I, we had hit the big time. Do you know that's a that's a thing on the them kids do? Yeah, <laughs> it's like eating stuff. I for, I never can remember what it's called, but <laughs> on on like podcasts. It's like so, a no. Is that literally? There's a. I, we're getting away from this, but yeah. Can I somewhere read, where can people I re- record themselves eating stuff because they like it or something. They like the noise. <laughs> no. Can I re- read to you guys a Bible verse? Yeah, please. Um, please. Okay, this is Second Timothy three. But know this: in the final days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemies, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Mm. And then it goes on to say, um, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ verse 13 Jesus will suffer persecution but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived like i've there's one uh dominican who preaches teaches that this is the basis of tolkien's long defeat hmm. um no he's orthodox sorry not dominican father stephen freeman and he says this is where Tolkien got his idea about the long defeat, the theological basis, anyway. Hmm. That 
Um, and he quotes the Desert Fathers that they believe that in the future, a successive generation of monks would become weaker and weaker, unable to bear the great trials of their predecessors. Um, that in the end, the simple act of believing would take greater grace than all the feats of the earliest monks. Hmm. Wow. I think the solution, I think the middle road between thinking we can fix everything and this turn or burn, the world is all going to be gone, is the um, idea that we've talked about on this blog, on this blog about the classical idea of formation, what the early Christians believed that it's not, you know, how we've talked about that idea that Plato said, um, a tree, uh, God made the tree, God made the ground, God made the sun, God made the water, the sky, but the humans weed the ground, water the seed, um, so that God has a part and we have a part. We're cooperating. And I think if we understood that better, and if we understood our own tradition of praying-shaped believing that as we take this long approach to formation, like through the daily office or whatever we choose to do, that it's a slow and steady, um, it's a slow and steady process, but that doesn't mean it fixes everything around us or even... Mm -hmm. Even as our our inward man is being renewed, our body starts to decay. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. <laughs> I'm just taking. I'm just throwing darts at the dartboard right now. What do, what uh, what uh, what verse did you read? What book and verse was that? That's Second uh, Timothy hmm. um, three one through thirteen. I I quote. I didn't read the whole thing, but. Three, one through thirteen. I'll put yeah. that in the notes. That was good. I mean, that was very <laughs> descriptive. I would say of what we're talking about. I would think that I, I kind of mentioned I want to talk about justice, and I would say that we we're, we're right there in what I was thinking about, um, because there is a place to where we feel I I think in the current world that we can bring about a justice that just almost. I mean, it seems impossible. It seems impossible to bring about full justice. I guess that's it. I guess that's where I stop with this. Um, and so, and I think that's kind of when it, whenever you said Everett about the temptation of liberal Protestants, uh, <laughs> Protestants. <laughs> uh, don't mind Tom. He's just doing a construction project right now. Um, <laughs> good God, Tom. Mike. <laughs> Am I being loud? Yeah, you're being loud. I walked down the stairs to get more coffee, sorry. But the kitchen looks great that you just rebuilt. <laughs> My stairs are apparently loud. Oh, that's funny. Um, and so that kind of justice, I appreciate how you said, how you're talking about there is a balance. And I think that that balance needs to be found within community or I, I not 
sure, found, um, discussed, because we all have a different beacon within us that is guiding us towards what we construe as justice. Um, or, or, you know, even, even to the sense of helping, um, you know, feeding the poor or whatever, you, you know, what you said earlier, uh, Everett or referred to, but I think that needs, I, I feel like that is best done in, in, um, community because just one person is going to be different than the other, just as in the, you know, political realm or wherever it is, you're going to have different thoughts and they need to come out. Otherwise it's just very, can be very self-serving in that regard. Hold on, Tom's walking upstairs again, I think. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Make that way up. <laughs> um, someone referenced Amos last episode. What was that about? Um, I was supposed to write that down. I think it feel like it had something to do with the temptation of liberal. I can't say that word. Prostitute. <laughs> Prostitutes. Protestantism. Yeah, there you go. All right. I didn't know if that would ring a bell for anyone. To justice question? Yeah, I thought so. I was just it was just a note I had down, so that's fine. Yesterday um, I I was listening to a podcast called Hope Through History. It's by John Meacham. And it was talking about the Edmund Pettus Bridge and what happened there and um how because of the violence that the world saw hap, you know, occur on that bridge, Alabama troopers mm -hmm. just beating peaceful protesters, cracking John Lewis's skull. Mm. Um, and then, you know, they're actually in the midst of praying when it starts that the world, that people, the Congress, the Senate, the president, it just galvanized people into the Voting Rights Act was passed, hmm. and and I think that that is the sort of justice we get. As Tolkien said, we get these flashes of we get these flashes of justice, and then we get these periods of defeat. Hmm. You know, we do the right thing for ten minutes, and then we backtrack. Um. Bart talks about this in his commentary to Romans. He says, the life of Jesus is perfected obedience to the will of a faithful God. Jesus stands among sinners as a sinner. He sets himself wholly under the judgment under which the world is set. He takes his place where God can be present only in questioning about him. He takes the form of a slave. He moves to the cross and to death. His greatest achievement is a negative achievement. Hmm. And, and 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 there's this there's this sense in which and I I don't want to glorify um I don't want to glorify suffering right but there's there there's a sense in which suffering points to a need that is that is that is beyond um ourselves and, and there is this temptation in both the conservative Protestant church and the liberal Protestant church to think that if we just, you know, put together the right policies, we will solve human sin. Again, this is not an abandonment of 
of the problems of the world. Um, but it, it, it keeps the focus that, that, that God is the source of, of the solution. Yeah, I get, I get concerned that, um, that we can hear that, believe that, live that, um, to the detriment of someone in real suffering that we don't even understand. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know that this is the trail to go down in this uh, <clears throat> episode, but I find it almost humorous um, that all sides of Christianity claim persecution. Yeah. And that is, that is, uh, whatever you say, uh, paraded out on social media everywhere all the time. And because someone, um, group person, whatever it is, flies under the flag of Christianity, they assume that anytime someone contradicts what they're saying, they're being persecuted. And, um, you know, this is, uh, I don't have a very good, oh, I do have a good one. So someone driving around in their Tesla in, in, uh, in Utica Square is <laughs> tweeting on their phone going, oh, I'm so persecuted because insert here. <laughs> There's a privilege taking place that has become, that it's become so blinding that, just because the Bible says it and just because I claim to be Christian that I must be persecuted because someone said something that differs from me. And that goes on both sides. I'm not just picking on, um, you know, whatever side I was just mentioning, but just that it, it feels like that's being paraded out um, for anything. And it just makes me giggle um, because I don't know that I can sit here and say that I'm being persecuted in any way, shape, or form, which maybe means I'm not doing something right. I don't know. Um, I mean, I have been, uh, I have been, people have been very upset with me for my faith and what I've done with it. Uh, but I don't know if I sit down and call that persecution. But I feel like if you're, if you kind of like in the morning, how they say, if you wake up, and you walk around the world looking for negative things. Oh, this is going to be a terrible day. Man, this is going to suck. I'm going to do this. And, and, and maybe this is not a good example. But the point is, is if you can, um, there is something in framing the day and how you view it. And uh, for me, I, that's what I should have said. For me, it is. If I wake up and I have, uh, you know, sucky meetings and whatever it is, I'm going to look at the day and I'm going to be like, blah. Um, and then the other way is that I can look at and be like, okay, I'm going to do this, but there are also going to be good things in a day. So if you frame these things, it can help your mindset. It's the same kind of way. If you go around looking to be persecuted, you're going to find a way to look as if you are being persecuted. I feel like I got really far away from where we're going. <laughs> um, go ahead, uh, Tom. And just that it's always, it never goes well. When any branch of our faith uh, seeks power, temp secular temporal power, right. um, because it's completely misunderstanding this idea 
in scripture. You know, I grew up hearing all, you know, all the time. The big problem with those Catholics is that mm. they, uh, yeah. you know, were so powerful and rich and they gave all, they, uh, you know, thought they were kings and princes and the Pope was living in a palace and all this stuff. And now we've got in the church, in the same churches I grew up in, people um, fighting for political power, not caring what the people they like, they vote for or like, or what they do, or just because they're going to give me what I want at the bo- mm. at the uh, at the ballot box or at the in the court ruling. And that I would not, I would change that and say. Sorry, keep your thought. I would change that and say they're going to give what God wants. That's yeah. a lot about the mentality of how some of those things go. Um, both sides, go ahead. Keep going. I don't want to make this about politics. but that's uh, Well, that's what where it, I was kind of what it's a, <laughs> with, with power. That's kind of what it's about. Everett, start over, buddy. We could, we could take it out of, out of politics. Um, we could talk about, for instance... Um, the way in which we privilege things that are outside of the faith tradition or the faith language. So an example of this would be, you know, how we talk about, you know, the science as though as though science was something that was independent of anything else, that science was somehow unmediated. Right. Mm. And and so you, you, you go back and, and um, there's this, you know, there's a story of, of, of Riverside Church out in New York City. It was sort of this this kind of bastion of, um, you know, liberal Protestantism, and 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 a, a lot of a lot of um, our understandings around race were developed um, as a result of science of the Enlightenment project. Right, you're. You're not going to have slavery in the way that it was practiced in the West um, without quote science, and 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 so you know we we this whole like idea about classifying things, then we can classify a certain group of people mm-hmm. as less than or not fully human, and. You know, so you have this, this, the, these authors who are sitting there like struggling with what their faith language says, and quote the science, and 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 you see them giving into the science um, rather than holding on to the language and patterns, you know, of of their faith, and and sometimes they do this explicitly. Um, um, uh, Justin Welby talks about how, like, the East Indian Company would not allow their workers to pray the Magnificat because they knew that was dangerous, right? Um, and 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 so Kara Slade, kind of reflecting, she she teaches at Princeton. She's an Episcopalian, and she's reflecting um, upon this this tendency to turn to the science. And she's a scientist. Um, she she says that the world is not ours to save. The church is not ours to preserve. God does that in a continuous and sovereign act of providence. God is the acting subject of our theological grammar, not us. 
and and it's this constant temptation by even Christians to seek our salvation outside of God um, and just simply apply God language to our desires that I think is a lot of the problem. Ooh, that last line was good. Repeat it, Everett. The, the quote? Yeah, the, the temptation the to apply is our... ours to save. The church is not ours to preserve. God does that in a continuous and sovereign act of providence. God is the acting subject of our theological grammar, not us. In essence, she's saying that there's this temptation by us to find things outside of God provide salvation meaning purpose hmm okay we're close to the end so um i feel like there could be more to talk about in power um but maybe not i don't know we'll talk about off air and kind of go from there so um if you were to summer summarize it up summer god <laughs> it up so far what would you say, Tom, about the long defeat? I would say that Arwen, the wife of Aragorn, gave up immortality to be with him. And we don't think about it much, but the book ends with her wandering through the forest that used to be kept alive and vibrant by the elves and now they're kind of dying, decaying places because the elves have left Middle-earth. Mm -hmm. And she eventually lays down and dies in that forest, having outlived her husband, her children, her... And <laughs> think about that. After all that, all of that uh, book, all those glorious seeds, that's mm -hmm. essentially how it ends. And... Uh, and there's a quote in the book Galadriel said, um, exactly through, together through ages of the world, we have fought the long defeat. That's the, where we're getting this idea from. So, she, so that's the road we all have to take, even if we disagree, even if we don't agree with any of this, we all die. And it's not something we're going to be able to avoid. Um, we'll see it in our bodies, whether we see it in the world or not. So, um, the question is, what do we do about it? What do we leave behind and how, what, how will we live while we're wait, while we're going through that process? Hmm. Yeah. Everett, anything to add? Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. I think it's balance. Um, and I think that's done within others, within community. Um, I know I just, I said that earlier, but because, you know, I, I'm going to have my own thoughts on it and interpretations and that's not, that's just going to be me, <laughs> you know, with, you know, God, but I think it's better done, um, sir, trying to help humanity being, you know, pulling within humanity through community. So, um, okay. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, Good quote on the good quote Everett on uh, what whoever you said I don't know if it was Welby or I got lost in that but uh, that was a great quote and thanks for reading the Lord of the Rings Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hope you all enjoyed. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. 
Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.